There's, there's something about when the kids are around and just that simplicity and the authenticity they have that's full of joy, that it's, it's almost, you don't even need to get up and talk about joy, but I am anyway. So, uh, good morning, welcome. Uh, I'm so glad that you were here to worship with us today. We've been in a series called With Us. And uh, talking about the Advent season. And Advent's not a word that you hear outside of church a lot, but Advent means an appearing. And what we're celebrating at this season is the appearing of Jesus. 2,000 years ago when He came onto the earth, He released some things into the earth from the heavenly realm, and they've been affecting and changing our environment for 2,000 years since. And we are here as a testimony to that. We are part of what Jesus has given into the world. And so when Jesus came, one of the prophecies in Isaiah, that was about him was that his name would be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel simply means God with us. How many of you are thankful that Jesus is called God with us? Because when he comes to live in us, the very presence of God Almighty comes and dwells within us. And wherever he is, all of his stuff comes with him. So we can talk about having hope with us, having peace with us. And today we're going to talk a little bit about having joy with us. Uh, first, before I even get into having joy with us, something struck me last week when I said it, and, and it, I thought about it during the week. How many of you have ever heard or said the phrase, the devil has robbed my peace, robbed my joy, robbed my happiness, something like that? How many of you have ever heard that? All right, three people in the room. Maybe I don't need to do that section of my notes. Come on, I even I listened back to the sermon last week and I actually said something about the devil robbing from us. How many of you know if you are a Christian, Jesus came to make his home with you and when he made his home with you, he moved all of his stuff into you. Come on, how, how many of you in the room agree that Jesus is more powerful than the devil? Okay, I got 100% agreement on that one. Well, if Jesus came and he moved all of his stuff in with you, you own it, you possess it. What's amazing about the Christian life is it's still his, even though he gave it all to us. And if the devil is not as powerful as Jesus, I want to tell you this morning, the devil can't steal from Jesus, which means he can't steal from you. Come on, that ought to be good news for us this morning. We've been going around with this confession of, oh, the devil can rob from me, and really he can't. The only tool, the only weapon that the devil has is lying. In John chapter 8, Jesus talked about Satan. He said he is the father of lies. It's his native language. Everything that he says is a lie. That's the only tool that the devil has to fight against you. So he's not really robbing from you. All he's trying to do is to get you to agree with a lie somewhere. And that's when it starts to feel like he's robbed from me. But really, all it is, is I've come into an agreement with a lie. The, the lie that my circumstances are bigger than what God can do something about. The, the lie that says, God can't fix the mess I've made. Come on, how many of you have ever believed that lie? And you go through life feeling like the devil's stolen from you. And really what it is, is you need to get your eyes back on Jesus and realize he's bigger than even the mess that I can make out of my life. God is a redeemer. He's a restorer. He's a reconciler. And even the junk that we do, the bad choices we make, the sins we do, the mess we make out of our own lives, he is big enough to redeem it and do something about it. Thank you, Jesus, that I've never made a mess that was bigger than you could handle. Come on. We've got to stop believing and agreeing with the devil, and we have to start agreeing with what Jesus has declared in this book. Man, the lie that says you aren't worth the promises of God coming to pass in your life. Come on. When we believe those things, we start feeling like the devil has stolen from us. And really all it is, is I need to get my belief back in line with Jesus. And stop believing the lies of the enemy. I think the, the biggest roadblock sometimes to living a victorious Christian life is sitting right here on my shoulders. 
Come on, you, you have one too. The, the biggest roadblock to a victorious Christian life is sitting on your shoulders. It's what we think and what we believe sometimes. And we've got to get to a place where we believe God is with us. He's given us joy. He's given us peace. He's given us hope. And the devil can't steal those things from us unless we agree with a lie. So today, I just want to give you a couple quick thoughts about joy. Joy is more than just a calm inner strength. How many of you have seen places in the church where it's like people confuse it with peace? They think, oh, well, we don't smile in this church. I have joy down inside of me. Come on, how many of you have ever grown up in a church like that or experienced that? You, you walk into the sanctuary and you think, it, it, where is the happiness? Like, it looks like these people are sucking on lemons for 20 years. Come on, joy is something internal. It is an internal thing we have. But the biblical expression or concept of joy is that what's happening on the inside gets expressed on the outside of us. How many of you ever grew up and you remember singing that song, If You're Happy and You Know It? Come on, we'll fill in the blank, whatever it was. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. Come on. That is not very far off from the biblical concept of joy. If there is something inside of you, if you have joy down inside of you, it will produce something on the outside. Throughout the Old and New Testament, the words that are translated for joy give the connotation of gladness, to shine, to exalt, to be exuberant, to dance in a circle. That's one of the words translated as joy in the Old Testament actually gives the connotation of we're dancing around in a circle like all those Jewish dancers. Dances that everybody did in the 80s. You remember those? He named Matov and we're putting our foot in the circle. That's the concept of joy. That there's something that's changed on the inside that everybody can see on the outside. There should be something. Christians should be the happiest people on earth. Come on, there, there should be evidence in our lives that people want to be around us. Man, I love being around those people. They're so happy all the time. Wouldn't that be an awesome Christian witness to start with? If, if you want to be a better Christian witness, let the joy that's inside of you leak on the outside sometimes. Come on, we're not called to go around in life just keeping what Jesus has done to ourselves. Crossing our arms and thinking, just leave us alone. There should be something in our lives that expresses to everybody around us, Jesus has done something in me. Our gatherings ought to be full of smiles and laughter. There ought to be the sound of joy in our house. Our Christian witness really should start on our face. Amen, Pastor Chris. That's a good word. We need to do that. Here's just a few thoughts about joy. Joy is part of the atmosphere of heaven. That is, that is, it is like the air that we breathe here on the earth. Joy is the atmosphere of heaven. You breathe in joy when you're around Jesus. That's what, on earth, we start to do things. How many of you have ever had the experience you're trying to do something and you get short of breath? Come on. The older I get and the more I let my waistline go, the more I find, man, I can't do everything I used to do. I get short of breath. And very similar to that, it's hard to do things when you don't have breath in you. It's hard to have strength to do anything. Very similar to that, in the Christian walk, it's hard to have power and to do the things that we need to do if we're not breathing in the joy of the Lord all the time. It is the atmosphere of heaven. In Psalm 16, it says this, You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Fullness means satisfaction and abundance. It means all the joy that you could ever need and then some. 
is in the presence of Jesus. If you are having a joy deficit in your life, you just need to get back into the presence of Jesus. Because there is fullness of joy in His presence. All that we could ever need, and then some, is there wherever Jesus is. That's what we need in our lives. And it's been the atmosphere of heaven since the very beginning. You can read throughout Scripture in Job. He's asking Job some questions. Were you there when I created the earth? Were you there when I laid its foundations? It says, were you there when the starry host sang for joy and the sons of God all rejoiced at creation? Come on, there is something about when God is around, joy is present. Can you picture that? Every time that God created a star... Heaven broke into rejoicing and dancing in a circle or something like that. Every, every time he did something where he formed man, he formed the animals, every time creation was expressed, heaven began to celebrate. They, there's actually some Jewish scholars, they say that in Genesis chapter 1, when it says God said, that they say you could actually imply that that means God sang. When creation came into existence, there was joy on the scene. Even what we walk in right now, Romans tells us that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. There is something that we carry that should be an atmosphere, that should be part of who we are. And joy is something, I don't know who would need this this morning, but joy is something that God is actively expressing in heaven right now over you. It doesn't matter who you are. What you went through this week, what side of the bed you got up on, how you talked to your neighbor this week, all these things that we think disqualify ourselves and make us worthless, God is actively expressing joy about you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's happy about you. In Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 17, it says, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Come on, some of us need to hear that, that God is singing over our lives. That there is something that when He looks through heaven, when He looks down into the earth, He sees us and it stirs His heart with joy. He says, that's my son, that's my daughter, that's somebody I created, that's somebody I want to bless. This It stirs God with joy when he sees us. If you've ever felt like you're worthless, you've got nothing going on in your life that could be worth anything, you need to encourage yourself. We need to look at this verse and remind ourselves, God, you're, you're excited to see me. Come on. There, there are some, I don't feel that way all the time. I think there's people that aren't excited to see me, believe it or not. Sometimes I feel like that, like, man, that person's not, I can see it on their face. They're not happy to meet with me, whatever it is. But God is always excited to see you. He's rejoicing over you with singing. Joy is the atmosphere of heaven, and Jesus brought it with him. When he came to earth, when he was born in that stable, joy came onto the scene. When the angel appeared to announce the birth to the shepherds, who were absolutely terrified. They're out in the backfield, tending their sheep. It's dark. They're thinking, oh, it's just another night. And all of a sudden, heaven burst open. The glory comes down. They begin to see light all around them. They're scared to death. And the angel begins to announce to them in Luke chapter 2, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Come on, look at that verse. What, what is another word that we use for good news? The gospel. The gospel is great joy. 
He says, I bring you good news of great joy. They are tied together. The gospel, the good news should be great joy to people. And it's for everyone. It's not for a select few. It's not just for a couple people that made the cut. The good news is great joy is available for everyone. I love it. The angels didn't show up and say, hey, we've, we've got great news. Good news of condemnation and judgment for you. Come on, that's not what they said at all. If, if that is the fruit or if that is part of your gospel message, condemnation and judgment, you're not preaching the right good news. Because the angel came and announced it and said, we've got good news of great joy for all people. There should be something that stirs people. When we have a message that says God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to restore a relationship with him. He's, he's longing for you. He wants to know you. He wants to be known by you. And he loves you so much that he made that possible. That's the good news of great joy. We're not alone in this life. He can come be with us. Thank you, Jesus. God with us, Emmanuel. The atmosphere of heaven is joy. Jesus brought it with him. Joy actually strengthens us. That's why we need it. That's why it's important. We've heard it a couple times already this morning as we've been worshiping. That the, the term, the joy of the Lord is our strength, comes from the book of Nehemiah. In chapter 8 and verse 10, Nehemiah, they had just discovered the words of God. It had been lost. They had lost the Torah. They had lost the scrolls. They had not been living where they needed to live. And they rediscovered the words of God. And they began to read it all to the people. And the people started weeping because they were like, we haven't been doing this stuff. Oh, we need to get back to where they were. They were beginning to have sackcloth and ashes and and lamenting over the state of the nation. And this is what Nehemiah said to them in chapter eight and verse 10. He said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you read through the Old Testament, there were many more times that God ordered his people to rejoice and feast together. More times than he ordered them to fast and get on your face and wear sackcloth. God was interested in them rejoicing because that's where our strength comes from. There should be something about the Christian life, the joy of God, that strengthens us and enables us to share it with others. Nehemiah said, send some to those who have nothing prepared. There is something that we carry as Christians that other people in the world don't have. They are missing out on what it truly means to live in peace, to live in hope, to have joy in their soul. And we have it inside of us because Jesus lives with us. And we can take what we have and send it to those who have nothing prepared. There is something about the Christian life that isn't meant to be kept to ourselves, but to share with others. And that joy empowers us. Here's here's an interesting tidbit for all the the Bible scholars in the room. One of the New Testament words translated as joy is the word chero, which is the same root word where they get charis, which means grace. The grace of God. There is joy. There's something about grace that empowers us to do everything that Jesus asked us to do. To live a vibrant Christian life. And part of the root of that is the joy of the Lord strengthening us to do it. The joy comes and it empowers us to do what he's asked us to do. And in fact, it's not just a good idea. It doesn't just strengthen us. Joy is something we are actively commanded to have in our lives. We are commanded to participate in seeing joy. Joy is second on the list of the fruit of the Spirit. If you've read through Galatians 5, what is Holy Spirit wanting to develop in us? Love, joy, peace, patience. Joy is right up there at the top of the list. He's wanting it to be in our lives. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul writes this command to us. He says, be joyful when? 
Always. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Joy is right up there on the list with prayer. We think about the Christian life. We think, oh, I need to read my Bible more. I need to pray more. I read that verse in Thessalonians. Pray continually. How do I do that? I'm not praying enough. i got to get it more in my life. Well, right there with pray continually, he says, be joyful always. Giving thanks in all circumstances. Being joyful always is actually God's will for us. It says, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I get people that ask me all the time, Pastor, what do you think God's will is for me? And they're, they're asking me because they want to know, like, should I go on a mission trip to Africa? Should I take this job? Should I do this decision? Should I get involved in this ministry? What is God's will for me? I don't know. <laughs> if I hear something from God, I'll tell you. But I do know this, that while you're doing it, be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in every circumstance, for that is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I don't care what the stuff is that we do in life, what He's asked us to do or the plans that He has for us. I don't care what your individual plans are. I just know that all of us, while we are doing those things, we should be praying continually. We should be joyful always and giving thanks in every circumstance. Because I know for a fact that is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. It's a command that we are supposed to do. And the last thing that I want to talk about this morning before we wrap up, joy, not only are we commanded to do it, but just like every other command that we see laid out before us, that we have an option to say, oh, I read that, I'm going to do it or not. Joy is a choice. Joy is a choice that we get to make no matter what the circumstances are that are going on around us. In Habakkuk chapter 3, going through a very difficult season in Israel's life, in Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 17, it says, though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in God my Savior. Joy is a choice. There's no music going on right now. There's nothing that says, hey, get up and dance with each other. There's nothing in my circumstances that say, hey, this is the first thing that springs into my mind is I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to get up and dance. I'm going to be excited about what God is doing. But joy is a choice. Just like they stood up and started to dance when there's no music and nothing else going on. We can do that in our individual circumstances and situations. Though there's no grapes on the vine. Even if the fig tree doesn't blossom. If nothing is going right in my life. I'm losing my job. My friends are deserting me. I I have no hope for my future. It seems like everything is bleak. You can make a choice. We all can choose to walk in joy at that moment. Come on. The world operates by, hey, if things are down, you might as well be down. Just pack it in, be hopeless, feel sorry for yourself, have a pity party. But in the kingdom, when things aren't going well, we have a choice to make. And we can say, I'm going to choose to walk in joy. I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord right now. Rejoice, O my soul. Rejoice within me right now. I don't care what's going on around me that would say, you have no business, no reason to rejoice right now. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to choose it. Man, Zach and Christina are doing that because there's no way Pam and I could pull that off right now. Remember the, the whole shortness of breath thing and the, like, man, that's, that's not for me right now, but I could choose to do that for a little bit, for a short period. Come on. The world doesn't need the church to be Eeyore. <laughs> 
Come on. The, wor- the world doesn't need us to go around with the long faces and the mopey hearts saying, I don't know what we're going to do. The world needs the church to rise up and say, here is a place where there is joy. Here is a place where there is hope. Here is a place where you have a future, that there is something laid out before you, that the God of the universe walks with you and wants to see fulfilled in your life. That's what the world needs to see from the church right now. How do we choose joy? It's, sometimes it's as simple as just realizing He's with me and I'm going to choose to do something joyful. I'm going to look in the mirror and smile at myself. Nobody else might be smiling around me, but I'm going to choose joy and I'm going to take a step and I'm going to do something joyful. I'm going to make a choice to physically do something joyful and then see him come and strengthen me and see him manifest his goodness in my life and expect his presence to increase. Here's here's what we're going to do to to close out this portion of the service this morning. I'd like you all to stand with me for a moment. And I, I guarantee that we might be the only church in the area to be ending the service this way this morning. Yeah, I don't know what you were prepared for when you came in the door this morning, but in just a second, we're going to play a video on the screen. And what I would like you to do while this video is playing, choose to do something that's joyful. I don't, I don't care. I don't know what it is for you. You might not be comfortable doing this. I don't care what. Make a choice to do something that expresses joy, whether it's tapping your foot or nodding your head or getting out in the aisle and dancing together. We're going to have a little bit of a party for an altar call this morning. If, if you've been needing joy in your life while this video is playing, go ahead and roll it, Danny. We're in the house of God. You're with the people of God. This is sanctified dancing this morning. I want you to take a minute. Choose Choose to do something that releases and expresses joy and see it manifest in your life. Then we'll close in a minute, but let's take a minute to watch this together and just choose to have some joy in our lives right now. I got this feeling inside my bones. It goes electric, baby, when I turn it on. All through my city, all through my home. We're flying up, no ceiling when we in our zone. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body. It drops. Ooh, I can't take my eyes off of it. It's open up the door. Thank you guys for partying with us this morning. A couple things that I want to say before we close out to go. Can we just give Jesus one more hand? I I really do uh, I really do believe that church should be a happier place than what's going on in the world. And if, if normal everyday people can hear a song and move their feet and dance and express joy, shouldn't we all the more because we really have something to rejoice about? I got this feeling inside my bones. It goes electric, baby, when I turn it on. All through my city, all through my home. We're flying up, no ceiling when we in our zone. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good